We each have an idea of what we think it means to be good or evil. After all, we've had guidance since we were small children, little boys and little girls. We were rewarded with pats on the heads and hugs from parents telling us we were good boys or good girls. We were read stories in which good always triumphed, and we knew how to identify the good guys because they wore those white hats. If we don't eat food that's bad for us, if we don't go off our diet, then we say we are good. If we were not causing physical pain, stealing, going against Girl Scout and Boy Scout laws, we were good. I think we learned that if we were not bad, we were good. When we are talking about good versus evil, I think we have to come up with a better understanding of good. After all, it's possible to go through life thinking we are good, that we are nice people simply by staying in our small corner of the world and not making any waves. Maybe that's enough for some people, but I think most of the people in this room accept expect more of themselves. And psychologists and sociologists define good in terms of action, not inaction. I really felt I had to get a handle on what we mean when we talk about good people. Because we are living in a time when many of the so-called good people are making decisions that are detrimental to our way of life. First of all, good means examining things in a way that is not all about us. According to Dr. Stephen Taylor, self-centeredness is the antithesis of good. He believes that good people empathize with others, that they're compassionate and able to put needs of others above their own. In other words, goodness has an element of self-sacrifice sacrificing one's well-being for others for a greater cause. According to Dr. Taylor, it means being able to see beyond the superficial difference of race, gender, or nationality and relate to a common human essence beneath those qualities. It means benevolence, altruism, and selflessness, and self-sacrifice toward a greater cause, all qualities which stem from a sense of empathy. Well, obviously, we are living in a time when many people are not able to think of embracing the well-being of others because they are not able to think beyond or outside their own feelings about race or gender or religion. If we were able to place them on the spectrum of Good through evil, where would they belong? So choose one side to represent good and the other to represent evil in your mind. Just choose. And I, I actually was tempted to place good on the left. But I'll let you choose for yourselves. So hold on to that thought, but not so tightly that you can't continue on this journey. 
It turns out that Dr. Taylor was not so good at explaining evil. He says that evil is a lack of empathy. I can agree with that, but being unempathetic does not necessarily lead us to understand what evil is. Being unempathetic doesn't help us to understand how people graduate to performing heinous acts. Goodness is a quality that can be cultivated, but psychopaths, evildoers, are unable to develop empathy. Now, according to Psychology Today, people who perform evil acts have lost a connection with society and other people. And developing connections is a sign of wholeness. Things that are recognized in Buddhism and most other spiritual traditions. As we practice meditation or mindfulness, and as we become less attached to materialism and status-seeking, we become more open and more connected. And so, more selfless, more altruistic. It's interesting that evil is defined in terms of goodness or lack thereof, but definitions of, of goodness need not make any reference at all to evil. But maybe this idea will help. We think of good and evil as opposites, but we know that isn't exactly true because there are degrees of each. We put people like Mahatma Gandhi, Mother Teresa, Martin Luther King, and saints on one end of the spectrum, and people like Adolf Hitler, Idi Amin, and Attila the Hun on the other end. But here, let's, let's hear a little bit of negative thoughts about our great heroes. Gandhi wanted to end the indignity of making Indians use the same entrance to the post office as black, and counted it as a victory when three doors were introduced, one for Europeans, one for Asians, one for natives. That doesn't go with the picture of Gandhi that we all have. And here's a quote by Mother Teresa. There is something beautiful in seeing the poor accept their lot. To suffer it like Christ's passion, the world gains much from their suffering. That is not the Mother Teresa that we honor. Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. is said to have plagiarized parts of his doctoral thesis and had affairs. That is not the Dr. Martin Luther King that we idolize. We don't even want to hear negative things about those we, we revere, but they are human and they have faults. Of course they've done things that are wrong. Does knowing these negative move those with wonderful accomplishments out of the realm of being exceptionally good? Well, maybe it tarnishes 
that shiny spot that we have in our hearts for them. But for the most part, we can see beyond imperfection to how mankind benefited. Humankind. Humankind benefited from their actions. Does knowing that Hitler loved Eva Braun and his dog, Idi Amin began his dictatorship with good intentions of helping the people of Uganda, or that Attila the Hun was known as a man of his word, does that move them up a little on that good and evil meter? Probably not. Love of family and pets are good things, but they're not enough in our minds to take them off the list of evildoers. Well, the point is simple. It's that none of us is all good and none of us are all bad. But here's the question of the day. Is there a level of evil that makes us irredeemable? Is there a level of evil that makes us irredeemable? In spite of our universalist message that says all are saved, that none of us will go to hell, that every person has worth and dignity, aren't we just a little bit certain that some people are so evil that there should be a hell? When we said everybody, did we really mean it? Hosea Ballou, who was regarded as the father of universalism, viewed sin as finite. That there was nothing any human being as a child of God could do to totally go beyond God's grace. While other orthodox religion regarded sin as infinite, as being against God's will, and therefore being measurable in whether or not we go to heaven. Now, Baloo researched the Bible and was not able to find anything that said that God would damn humanity to eternal punishment. And as a loving parent would not condemn their child to everlasting punishment, neither will a loving God condemn any of us to eternal damnation. The one exception that people like to raise is Adolf Hitler, who readily comes to mind as the most evil person who ever existed. existed. However, in my research, I found uh, one list where he was number three. Just imagine what uh, one and two were like. And you might be interested to know, because women, we want to break that glass ceiling, that number 25 is a woman. Her name was Elizabeth Bathory, and she was noted as the most prolific serial serial killer ever. When people talk to me about Hitler, I say that there is no hell, even for Hitler. As a universalist, I have to believe that doctrine applies even to him. And so how do I justify that in my mind? How do I? 
First of all, I believe that Hitler could not have been Hitler without the complicity of millions of people. People who were probably recognized as good, good people at the time. Hitler's rise to power was made possible by those who looked the other way. People looked the other way when he began denigrating the Jews because they held prejudice against the Jews. And there were others, according to the Jew Jewish Virtual Library, although Jews were the primary victims of Nazi evil, many other groups were targeted based on both racial and political grounds. Other groups singled out by the Nazis included LGBTQ individuals, the physically and mentally disabled, Roma, the Gypsies, Poles and other Slavic people, Jehovah's Witnesses, and members of political opposition groups. I think we've at some time heard of Martin Niemöller, a prominent minister during the Nazi era who blames German citizens and especially the si silence of the leaders of Protestant churches for being complicit while millions of people were being killed. At first, he was a sympathizer, but he later became anti-Nazi, Nazi, was an outspoken critic of Hitler, and spent seven years in a prison camp. He is famous for writing, first they came for the socialist, and I did not speak out, because I was not a socialist. Then they came for the trade unionists, and I did not speak out, because I was not a trade unionist. Then they came for the Jews, and I did not speak out, because I was not a Jew. But when they came for me, there was no one left to speak for me. I believe there are some evil things going on right now, but I cannot think of a circumstance that would bring me to call the person perpetrating them evil. I think that things being done to induce brokenness in our society are evil, though they are being done under the guise of Christian principles by so-called good people. T.J. Berry is a member of the Missouri House of Representatives. He's introduced House Bill 1434 to restrict marriages to be performed in churches. He defines marriage as being a solemnized union that takes place only inside a church. Note that this doesn't say inside a mosque or a synagogue or a temple, and that's by design. Muslims, Buddhists, or Jews do not worship or get married in a church. Atheists and agnostics may not get married in a church. No more beach weddings. No more skydiving to bind your vows. 
If Barry's bill becomes law, many marriages that were to take place out of the church would not be legal. Ah. Ah. This couldn't possibly happen. Could it? What about this scenario? It is decreed that only Christian churches are tax exempt. Well, we know that Unitarianism and Universalism both came out of the Christian tradition. There are Unitarian Universalists who are Christian. Our liturgy and our services are not necessarily much different from standard Christian churches. And we used to belong to the Council of Churches. We honored Jesus as a prophet. Oh, is it so bad to say he's the son of God? Okay, well, we might as well become Trinitarian. We have trouble meeting the congregation's needs as it is, and paying taxes would take a huge bite out of our budget. We couldn't do the good work that we are known for. We could possibly go out of business. All right, let's change our designation to Christian and continue our good work. All in favor say aye. That would make us some of the good people who are self-centered and who think only of our needs. And maybe this seems far-fetched, but you know, it isn't so different from what happened in Germany when the churches were told to change their covenants to be more in line with the government ideology. This is part of the silence that Niemöller deplored. In those days, ministers made choices to be safe rather than to fight the government. And in fairness, it is easy to look back these many years and point fingers. What would we do if our very lives were at stake? Well, right now, our way of life is at stake. The United States used to have the reputation of at least, at least being progressive regarding race and voting rights for LGBTQ inequality, excellence in science and education. Some of in this nation want to be superior at the expense of others. Some want to feel financially secure, even if it means pushing more and more people far below the poverty level. Some want to feel safe, even though there's no, no credible threat. Some want to dictate the level of health care available to others. Some want to see no person of color thrive. These are the people who remain silenced against the tyranny we face today. They are the good people who go along because someone else is the face of their prejudices. This goes beyond everything Unitarian Universalism believes. Let us be the dreamers and the believers and the activists who try to understand and destroy our personal prejudices, who act to protect those 
who are vulnerable in society, who believe no one is irredeemable, and who want to be the healers that mend the brokenness in this world. Let us simply be who we say we are. May it be so.